Welcome to the Life Coaching with Ryan podcast, episode 17. Yo, what up, people? I uh, just wanted to get a quick episode in to wrap up my conversation with Selena Reams about the mind-body connection and just really wanted to touch on two points, so I expect this to be a fairly short episode. Um, you'll notice that in last week's episode, there wasn't a next time on, and that's because I really wasn't sure what I wanted to say. But since then, I've kind of gotten it a little bit together. Primarily, what I want to touch on, and I wrote myself a little note, and I want to read it verbatim. Why does any of this matter? Isn't it all just who do, voodoo, woo, woo, bleh? And the answer is no. It's not just who do, voodoo, woo, woo, bleh. Um, talking about the mind-body connection can sound very cheesy and very fuzzy um, because so often it is described in terms that are from the new age self-development movement. Um, and we're discussing things that essentially boil down to how to be less affected by the world which is potentially a very solid goal. However, it doesn't touch on some very key biological components of our experience. And when I say doesn't touch on, I mean it doesn't directly address. It doesn't mean that it is not a component of the practice or not understood by the practice, but is perhaps left out for those of us who care a little bit more about understanding the biology behind why all of this happens. Now, for a more detailed description of why this stuff matters, there are a few books that you could read that I would recommend, one of which you've heard me talk about ad nauseum, and that is The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal, because she discusses the roles of physical movement, journaling, breathing meditation on our biology and how it affects us. But I wanted to bring up a very specific component of what we call the mind that isn't always discussed. If you get into some psychological literature, I suspect it's there. Um, if that's not your field, then you may not truly understand how many things are happening in your brain at once. And it's sometimes hard for people to accept that we are animals first and foremost, and that that is not a bad thing. It does mean, though, that sometimes we don't acknowledge parts of a biology that are incredibly important to our experience. So there's a very practical reason to care about how you care for your vessel, how you treat your vessel, if you think of yourself as separate from your body. If you think of yourself as your body, a critical thing to think about is the brain is not only our conscious awareness. I was just talking to Mary Shores, author of Conscious Communication. She is my guest next month for the podcast. I'll be releasing my episodes with her. We were just recorded the episode today. And I said, so often we think of the mind as just our thinking bits, the parts we are consciously aware of. However, our brain is to our thoughts as the rest of our organs are to our body. This is what I mean. 
there is stuff happening in your body, like your stomach digesting, that you are not consciously processing. They're simply happening. The beating of your heart is happening. There are automatic processes happening in your body that are also happening in your brain. And when you make certain choices around, say, writing a question to yourself that you want to answer, and you put it in your journal, and then you go to sleep, we assume that there is some need to be consciously solving the problem. It's like using a tiny fraction of your processing power. Whereas your brain, whether you discuss it from a subconscious processing perspective or unconscious processing perspective, can be working on your problems. When we're talking about the mind-body connection, we're talking about putting as many of your resources to solving the same problems as possible. We're talking about helping your body be more capable, including your brain, of getting you what you want, which I think is critically important for all humans. The other thing that I wanted to mention is this idea that I call the psychosomatic loop. And I mentioned it in the podcast. I wanted to touch on it one more time. Our thoughts impact our physical experience because our thoughts tell our brain what chemicals to produce in the body and they change our experience. There are chemicals we can put in our body that create certain responses in the body that we associate with certain mental emotional states. I brought up drinking too much caffeinated tea and that it got me all jacked up and I thought, oh, something must be wrong and it produced the sense of anxiety in me. This is potentially happening to people everywhere all the time. And it doesn't just relate to consumption. It relates to our physical health as well. So how we treat our body puts us in different states of physical being, of comfort and discomfort. And then those physical states impact our thoughts because we are accepting, rejecting, thinking about not thinking about that bodily experience. It's subtly affecting us in ways that we're not totally aware of. And then when we have those thoughts and feelings, sensations, they feed each other. Just like if I am drinking my iced tea and I drink it too quickly and then I start feeling panicked and then my thoughts of panic trigger my body to stay in panic and then I'm worried about why I feel panicked and it just keeps going. When you feel lethargic, then emotionally, mentally, you don't want to expend any energy on anything, which then keeps your body in the state that it was in producing the lethargy and it just loops and loops and loops and loops. The mind affects the body, the body affects the mind. And we continue in that loop. Now, again, when I say mind, I mean our conscious experience. Because, of course, our mind, i.e. the brain, is part of the body. So it's different functions of the body influencing and affecting other parts of the body. (laughs) 
But I think that we do enjoy having a feel-good experience. I want to distinguish between happiness and feeling good. Happiness is fleeting. But there's a base state of feeling good that we can develop that includes discomfort, potentially pain. It includes a greater breadth of the human experience than just happiness. So having a body that is fit feels good because of the chemical soup that's happening. It also feels good because consciously it develops confidence. We can feel good going through experiences or rather feel better feel in a state of good higher than crap when going through difficult experiences. But that is impossible if we are not addressing things like our breath, if we're not addressing our automatic thoughts that can come out in journaling that doesn't address being physically fit, eating the right food, et cetera, et cetera. So all of this is to say, why should I care? Why does this even matter? Well, if you want to have a more fulfilling experience of life, if you want your baseline, if you want your normal, if you would like a new normal that feels more comfortable consistently, that even when you're affected by elements of your life, you're able to come back to a high baseline. And when I say high, it's obviously relative. Perhaps a baseline that is higher than your current baseline. Then addressing your breath addressing your thoughts thoughts through something like journaling, addressing the soup, the chemical soup of what's happening in your body through proper physical activity. You're going to have, you're going to have a better time <laughs> to paraphrase South Parks. You're going to, if you friends fry when you should pizza, you're going to have a bad time for anyone who is a skier and or South Park Watcher. So anyway, I just wanted to talk about those two things really quickly today. I hope you all are super duper wonderful. Um, stay tuned for a short clip about um, conscious communications from my conversation with Mary. Catch y'all soon. And here's a little preview of what's coming up next week. Tell us a little about yourself in your own words. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So I think that um, I have this really unusual story and I won't go too much into it because I'm sure we'll talk about some things uh, as we progress through the interview. But one thing I'd like to say is that I've achieved an enormous amount of success in my life. Um, the kind of success that looks like what you have when you've been a CEO for 20 years, when you've been a CEO in a very tough industry, I do own a debt collection company, which typically shocks people because let's face it, we're, we're sort of in this like enlightenment community and that's all well and wonderful but like this the world still has to work and somebody has to do that yeah. job and um yeah. that's me so <laughs> I, I get to raise my hand for that one like didn't know i was going to be doing that but aside from that 
from the level of success that, that I have achieved, which like I said, it's, it's really good and I'm super proud of it. Uh, the more important thing is to understand that I really came from a place of nothing that I was, I'm not going to claim that I was homeless when I was 16, but I pretty much was a couch surfer and did not have a home of my own. Like the show, consider subscribing through my Patreon at patreon.com slash life coaching with Ryan. You'll get early access to shows and potentially a host of other rewards. Want more? You can also find me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash lifecoachingwithryan, where I play some games and I continue the conversation. I'm pretty active on Instagram. You can find me at instagram.com slash educate for, the number four, underscore life. That's where I do my book club. I record the book club episodes live on Mondays, and then I post them to IGTV. Later, I post them on YouTube. See you next time.